Hello and welcome to This Shit Really Happened, the true crime podcast where we deep dive into the most disturbing, depraved, and downright gruesome true crime stories in history. My name is Em. And I'm Autumn. And this, and this is... Ralph. <laughs> <laughs> and he might not be happy to be here, but we are. <laughs> and we are your hosts. And we're back for round two of survival stories. Welcome back to the party, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I want to do like more of these, and because I feel like uh, why are they? The cats are the cats are fighting. Carter, he's bullying. No, no, he's like licking him on the head. He just like slapped the sh- no, any, oh. <laughs> any cat owners know that like hey, one hey. second, one second the cats are like we love each other, and then the next they're literally going at each other's throats. Oh, oh my god, Carter! Hello, Carter. Leave him alone! He's an old man! Throw something at him. What? My keys? (laughs) No, they're fine. It's a hair tie. They fight all the time. They're fine. Um, Any cat owners know that cats will scuffle. As As long as there's no blood, as long as there's no fur flying, Ralph can scream all he wants because he's dramatic. As you heard at the beginning of the podcast. As you guys heard at the beginning of this episode. Um, but as I was saying, just before, I know, they're in like a, like a, like a, what is like a Mexican standoff where yeah. you're just like holding like, every, both of you have a gun and you're like, huh. <laughs> yes. Who's gonna shoot first? Who's gonna shoot first? <laughs> yeah, it's who's gonna, okay, they're over it. They've both broken eye contact and Carter's <laughs> walking away. Um, Ralph is still thinking about it because well, his tail is wagging. Yeah, he's flicking his tail. Um, and Ralph is the laziest wrestler in the whole world. It's so funny. He never, like, wants to get up and actually fight. He just lays there, lets the other cat jump on top of him, and then fights from the ground. <laughs> it's like, all right, he is trying to do the strategy that's going to take up the least amount of his energy. Absolutely. <laughs> and now he's licking himself. Great. He's got he's his leg up in the air. It's bath time. It's bath time. <laughs> um, but... As I was saying, mildly before, distracted. we got mildly distracted by the cats fighting in the other room. Um, I like doing survival stories. I feel like I don't have enough of them on my list. Like, it's a nice little palate cleanser. Um, part two of the bad bitchery. Part two of bad bitchery. We have another very bad bitch. She is that bitch mm-hmm. on, on the, you know, who we're going to be talking about for this case today. I say palate cleanser because they survive, but it's still just as gruesome terrible. as anything. Yeah, just as terrible. The as purpose was for them to die. They just happened to survive. Ex- yeah, exactly. Like, the people who did this to them, 110% intended for them to not survive. But, you know, being the bad bitches that they are, they, they said, said... otherwise. Mm-hmm. They said, not today. I'm living. And I'm going to put your ass in prison, bitch. Mm-hmm. Too bad in the case of Mary Vincent that we talked about last episode. He only got 14 years, served eight for her, and then went on, you know. That old, ugly fuck. I know, I know. He I show, yeah, I showed you the picture of him. His nose literally looks like a dick. <laughs> He's got a fucking dick nose. <laughs> Ugh, and they let him out, and at fucking 70-some, he murdered another lady. Yeah, and like, not y'all- just... Not just, like, I mean, murder in any way is bad. Mm-hmm. Don't fucking murder people. But he, like, brutally murdered her. Mm-hmm. Like, I forgot to mention this yesterday in the episode, but I'll mention it now. Like, when I was researching for that case, um, there was, uh, they said that, like, after they were, like, cleaning up the crime scene, there was, like, 
nicks in like the floor like the linoleum so yeah because like roxanne hayes she was also like fighting him so she was like squirming and he was missing her sometimes but then other times he was stabbing her so hard it went through her body and into the it's floor it's like that i survived episode yesterday where he pulled a knife out oh her yeah and he like stabbed her in like the back of the neck and like came out her throat and he, gave her a fucking well, he tracheotomy out of the front oh god that's insane and she's like and it gave me a tracheotomy so ralph what are you doing he is just being himself. Don't mind he's, him. He's uh, literally clung to the side of the couch. I know. He's he'll, himself. That's what he does. He's Because he's a literal psycho. And um, now he's going to lay down and take a nap. But yeah. <laughs> thankfully, he, you know, stabbed her through the back of the neck and he pulled it through the front because it gave her a tra- tracheotomy and yeah, she could breathe. Um, yeah, because she said she had, what, like a like double, like, lungs, both collapse, and she yeah, had a sucking chest wound. Because he stabbed her yeah. 45 times. So she literally couldn't breathe and he just happened to stab her through the throat and give her a tracheotomy and allowed her to live. Like, that's fucking insane. Literally. That's cut, creepy. slit her throat on both sides. I know. That's, yeah, and didn't she say, yeah, he, like, got her muscles, too, so she yeah. had trouble holding up her head, mm-hmm. which is <laughs> kind of a fun little segue into this story. So you know this story. I've, I've told you this one before. In the middle um, of eating dinner. Is that what we <laughs> we were we were drinking tacos and margs night? Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it was one of those things like, oh my gosh, I want to get you on the podcast so I can tell you this story and, and then you told saving me the story. I just told you the story. <laughs> like the other time when you had me as the first episode, you're like, it's this story about. I'm like, bitch, you just told me you wanted it to be a surprise. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I just I get so excited. I'm like, I want you, I want you to experience the same feelings I felt the first time I heard this because this like. I'm, suffice to say, pretty desensitized to a lot of things. Mm -hmm. When I first heard this one, I was like, holy fucking shit. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think there was ever, like, another case that I heard that literally I was like, how the fuck? Like, A. My arms getting chopped off? Like, that's, I like, that's brutal as it is, like. We'll go into detail again of what happens to to this woman we're going to talk about today, and it's it's absolutely insane. Like, don't get me wrong, like, Mary Vincent's story is also absolutely insane and incredible that she survived that, but this one, for me, like, when I heard it, I'm just saying it was on, like, a whole other tier. Because I'd, like, heard about Mary Vincent before, like, mm-hmm. her story is relatively well known mm-hmm. um maybe I didn't know this one probably because this happens in um South Africa mm-hmm. so like when I first heard it I was like literally my jaw dropped like when she was describing what her injuries were I was like how the fuck are you still alive how the fuck are you still alive it literally like blew my mind yeah when you told me I was like what yeah seriously so <laughs> it's an absolutely insane tale of just like human will to live in survival. Um, the case that we have for today is the survival story of Allison Botha. So full disclosures. Trigger warning. Oh, yes. Trigger warning for kidnapping, rape, graphic violence, all, you know, the stuff that comes along with any sort of true crime story. But big trigger warning for just, you know... Violence, violence. Um, violence against women, um, rape, sexual assault, um, and relative, you know, sexual deviancy from some nasty ass men that we're going to also talk about during this case. So, um, again, this is the story of Allison Bothos. Allison, she was born September 22nd, 1967. She was born in Port Elizabeth, which is like a small, 
like Hamlet Town um, um, in the Eastern Cape province of South Africa. Um, she had, I was gonna say she had two parents, so like, dot, everybody has two fucking parents. <laughs> <laughs> she had two parents. <laughs> she had two parents. Two people created her. Mm, I um, mean, not necessarily. Yeah, I know. I guess that's true. I, I meant, like, in the, in the phrase that, like, no, I guess not even that. Okay, Cause whatever. Because, like, like, uh, fucking, what's her name? Amber Heard, she got a little sperm donor and now has baby Yeah, that that's true. That's very true. Which also fuck that bitch. We hate uh, her. We, me and all my homies fucking hate Amber Heard. She's a weirdo. Fuck you, Amber Heard. She is a weirdo. And my dog stepped on a bee. <sighs> Bitch, oh, who her the face. fuck cared? All of the things that she said and the faces that Johnny and his attorneys would make, I was dying laughing. Oh my god, yeah. Literally, like... My fave was when they asked him about the box full of cocaine and <laughs> he goes, it looks like a box. It looks like a box. It looks like it could fit some cocaine. <laughs> Do I know if there was cocaine in there? No. No. <laughs> no, like, that is three lines of cocaine right next to it. He goes, it looks like it could be cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> that was my favorite part of the whole trial. <laughs> it looks like it could be cocaine. Yeah, I just think, like, the biggest thing that I got out of that trial was just how genuine, like, Johnny Depp was and how ingenuine she was. Like, he could own up to his mistakes. Yes, And she just exactly. had no accountability like, whatsoever. he was so honest. He's like, yes, I have a drug problem. Yes, I've done cocaine before. Yes, I have problems with alcohol. Mm. And she was just up there basically trying to paint herself as... as the victim. Literally, An Little angel. Miss, I've never done anything wrong in my life. Bitch... Yeah, and that's we why we don't like ever heard over here. <laughs> well, I and another favorite part when he was on the stand was when they were bringing up her role in Aquaman. Aquaman. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love that. And she's like, ah, oh, no. he's just like Aquaman. Aquaman. But they brought up her role in Aquaman, and they were like, "Didn't you say something about um, she?" wouldn't have gotten that role without you. And he was like, I, I was the reason she got that role in the movie. <laughs> oh my God. Hold on. I just realized something. Um, all right. We're coming back from a sidebar. Cause, uh, <laughs> in so the I'm middle body. of that, in the middle of that long tangent, um, that we were just going on, I looked down and I realized that the microphone wasn't plugged in. <laughs> so we are working purely off the, uh, microphone in my MacBook. So if the audio was kind of shitty at the beginning of this, um, we thoroughly apologize. It's been a long. It's been. A, it's, I was going to say it's been day. a long day. It's quarter after three while we're recording this. It's already. I've had a Red Bull already day. and a coffee, so it's like. <laughs> okay. Well, anyways, I'm gonna I'm gonna take this as a as a blessing to say let's get the fuck back into the case. Um, as I was going to say, Allison's parents were um, named Brian and Claire. They separated when she was just 10 years old. Um, and Allison and her brother, Neil, they were brought up by their mom, Claire, pretty much as a single mother. Um, Allison, she attended a collegiate high school in Port Elizabeth, and she was the head girl for her school during that time. So, like, in, like, all girls school to have, like, a head girl who's kind of, like, in charge of all, like, her class and, like, the younger girls. So... It's usually, like, somebody who's, like, a model student or has, like, a good reputation within the school. So to have her, like, be chosen to be head girl just goes to show, like, she was a pretty, like, outstanding just person in general when she was in school. 
Um, she describes herself as having, quote, no aspirations and no great career plans when she was younger. So she was kind of just going with the flow. You know, she didn't really have her mind set on what she wanted to do when she got older, like what her like set career path was going to do. She was basically just going to see where the wind took her and and live her life accordingly. Um, she did study secretary, secretarial work for a year after she graduated from like the South African equivalent of high school because um, her mom said she would want to have something to fall back on if she ever came around and like needed <laughs> to get like an adult person job if, you know, her uh, just going where the wind takes her approach didn't work out for her. So she did study secretarial work. Um, after she graduated as well, she spent four years just like traveling overseas. Oh, I wish. Yeah, I know. That'd be so nice. Yeah, so she spent four years just kind of seeing the world, um, and after four years, she came back home to Port Elizabeth, um, and it's kind of sad because her mom was like, oh, I'm so happy to have you back here where I know you're home safe. Psych. Psych. <laughs> this is actually where you're the least safe. I know, right? <laughs> so we're going to go to, oh my God, I just like touched your toes under the table. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. I don't know. For, uh, for this case, we are going back to Port Elizabeth again um, in December of 1994, specifically December 18th, 1994. So... This is actually because, obviously, South Africa is Southern Hemisphere, so it's summertime for them in Mm -hmm. December. Um, So Allison was 27 at the time. On December 18th, she describes the day as, quote, the perfect summer day. One of those summer days where you've been at the beach all day, your skin's still tight from being in the sun, and you can still taste the salt. So, beautiful day. Mm -hmm. It was just a regular summer day. She wasn't expecting anything wild to happen. You know, not that she would ever or anyone would ever wake up and think that something like this was going to happen to them on that day. But it was just a regular, beautiful summer day for her. Um, Allison and a few of her friends that day, they had actually like all been at the beach. Um, They were just having a beach day. And then after the beach day, they went back to Allison's house to, like, have food, drinks. They had, like, kind of like a game night sort of deal. Mm -hmm. Um, So her and her friends were at her house pretty late into the night, um, like, well after, you know, like, the sun had gone down. It was, like, dark, dark. It was very into the night by the time they were done with their their games and their food and their drinks. Um, Allison offered to drive one of her friends home. So um, her and her friend get into the car. They, Allison takes her friend back to her house, drops the friend off, no issue. Um, when she comes back, when she gets back to her own apartment, she realizes that the parking spot she usually parks in, that's like right in front of her building, um, somebody took it. So she ended up having to, you know, she drives a little bit ways down the road and she finds another. I know, right? Like, somebody takes your parking spot. Have some fucking respect. (laughs) Like, get, move. That's like. The one thing, like, when Lucas and I were apartment hunting, like, we found a couple apartments that were really nice, but it was, like, street parking. Ugh. And I was like, no, we need to have, like, our admittedly, driveway. our driveway is not the biggest, but like it's still. Like, street parking. Exactly. It's off street parking. Like, I don't have to worry about. Mine. Right. Yeah. You've got a small little driveway, but at least it's something where you can put your car. Right. Like, I hate shared driveways, and I hate off street parking. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm never. Mm-mm. No. No. <laughs> no. no. I'm not going to ever do street parking because I had to do that shit when I lived in New Jersey mm-hmm. and it fucking sucked. I would constantly like... And, and you would, live low-key in a hood. I did, too. My car got broken into like three times. I think it was just good old Gertrude. I know, good old little Gert. Oh, Gert. Shout out to Gertrude, my little very first car. 2001, I think she was. Pontiac Grand Am. My first car, I think, was like a 2004. 
Damn. Saturn Ion. <laughs> Saturn Ion. It was blue. <laughs> yeah, Gertrude. I was like, all right, time to go. Gertrude Get was a bad bitch. I love that car. I named her Gertrude because she was old but still knew how to party. And I mm-hmm. felt like Gertrude is the name of like an old lady who could still fucking get down with the sickness. So. You should have just named her Die Die. <laughs> Are you called Die Die an old lady? <laughs> She hears this, she's gonna be like, bitch, what hey, the listen, fuck? call my mom old and die die, they're the same age. So, <laughs> well, I guess there you go. <laughs> um, okay, so she gets back to her apartment and she she drives down the Hearst Street a little bit and she ends up finding another parking spot that's not too far. Like, she can still see her building from where she's parked, so it's not like she had to go a very long way. Um, she had actually had laundry at this friend's house. So um, when she dropped the friend off, she'd gone in and she'd get in her laundry basket and put her laundry basket in her back seat. So what happens, um, she parks her car and she, she's got her windows down because, mind you, this is like the 90s. Mm-hmm. She's probably just enjoying the summer air, mm-hmm. might not have much by ways of air conditioning in the <laughs> yeah. car. Um, so her windows are down. She doesn't have her doors locked. Um, she parks the car and she turns to her back seat to grab her laundry Dream. basket. Um, and as she turns back around, the next thing she notices or she feels is the blade of a knife against her throat. I just want y'all to know that Emily is acting this out while she's telling it. I know. I wish I wish we had like a camera because I, I'm, I gotta I gotta get into it. I just talk with my hands in general. So when I'm telling a story or talking about a case. <laughs> I gotta give the full effect, even when, if none of you people listening can see me. When she said she's felt the blade of a knife, she, the bitch is holding her neck. Yeah, because I'm feeling it. I am in the moment, and I want you to be in the moment with me. I gotta make something of this case because I've told it to you before. I'm there, so y'all at home listening to this, just, make, imagine just close your eyes. <laughs> close your eyes and imagine it. And just know that Emily is <laughs> acting it out. I am fully acting it out. <laughs> um, but yeah, so she she turns back around. She feels a knife to her throat, um, and she hears a man say to her, like he opens the door, right, because her, her doors mm-hmm. aren't locked, mm-hmm. and he says to her, move over or else I'll kill you. Ooh. So she, he forces her way into the car. She moves from the driver's seat into the passenger seat and he gets in and he, you know, proceeds to take her car. Um, he introduced himself to Allison. He said his name was Clinton. Um, she kind of talks about like why she didn't just jump out of the car right when this happened. Um, she said that she, didn't want to believe that the worst was going to happen to her. So she like actively chose to believe in the best case scenario. So it sounds like we are slightly delusional. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if it was, I, I mean, this I actually not like, like the case that we talked about yesterday where she's like, Oh shit, something bad is going to happen. Right. She's and I mean, I mean, you never know how you're going to react in a situation mm-hmm. until you're She's in like, that situation yourself. She's like, they're just robbing me and keeping me in the car or not going to do anything to me. Yeah, I mean, I kind of get it because, like, who, I mean, Honestly, I know, my like, my first thought because there. I'm so in, like, up to the fucking eyeballs in this kind of mm-hmm. stuff that, like. My brain will go there. Yeah, so, like, some of my first thoughts are, like, holy shit, am I going to murder right now? If I see anybody sus even walking down the street in the middle of the darkness near me, nor towards me, anything like that, my first instinct my first thought is, like, this person is fucking weird. Yeah. I, if I'm walking somewhere, like, by myself and it's, mm-hmm. like, dark out or it's getting dark out, 
I I'll always walk with my keys between my knuckles. Mm-hmm. I don't because I'm like do if I gotta swing on somebody, mm-hmm. it's gonna hurt. I'm gonna make sure it hurts. Yeah, you might fuck me up, but I'm gonna make sure that you come out with some fucking marks too, buddy. So mm-hmm. you're not coming away from yeah. this unscathed. Well, Allison, I mean, this is like the '90s too, so like true like crime after, is not as prevalent. In, but like after the '70s. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I don't know how the 70s were. This is South Africa, too, mind you. True. true. Um, so there might but not like, have been the same, you know. But I still, like, I feel like I hear of fucking horror. Like, the cannibalism out there? <laughs> maybe maybe not in, like, this part of South Africa. Um, like, ma'am. Maybe the less developed parts of South Africa, possibly. But, yeah, they've got to hear about it, though, right? Yeah, I'm sure they've heard about it. But but I feel like even in my brain, like, even if it was the 90s, because, like, my mother, for example, was born in the... She was born in 60. Mm -hmm. And she had me in the 90s and was, like, absolutely... Stranger danger. Yeah. She said that there was this one time we were walking out of the store... And I was little, and she had a hold of my hand, and I said, Mom, why are you holding my hand so tight? You're breaking it. Oh, she's like, I'm not letting you get kicked Oh, my fucking dead body. <laughs> Literally, Mom. <laughs> like, I'm, like, 20, going to the library, and she's like, there's sickos out there. I'm like, Mom, it's, like, 2 p.m. Right? It's, like, 2 p.m. <laughs> I'm literally going down the street. Uh, all right. Anyway, so Allison, again, she doesn't make any moves to jump out of the car because she's holding on to the hope that the worst is not going to happen to her. She's thinking probably along the lines of, like, if I'm cooperative, he's not going to hurt me. me. Like, he'll let me go. Um, So, again, he told her his name was Clinton, and he asked her if she has a boyfriend. Um, She says she does. Whether that's a lie or not, I don't think she it's really says. It's kind of like when we go out to the club. Right. I, always, I have a husband. I'm not married, but I got a husband. People are like, do you have a phone while I'm holding my phone? Nope. Nope. <laughs> I do not. Actually, I um, don't. And she this said, is my friend's phone. <laughs> right, this is my friend's phone. Mine's broken. Um, this is a decoy. So <laughs> she said that Clinton was, like, very casual the whole time. Like, the way he was speaking to her was very conversational. And it kind of lulled her into a false sense of security. Um, so when the, the coin kind of flips happens, um, it was only a few minutes after he initially got in the car, he pulled the car over. And he picks up a second man. Um, that's never good. Yeah, no, that's, girl, get out of that car right then and there. You better fucking run. Yeah. So this man gets into the back seat, and she looks up, and she catches his gaze in the rearview mirror. And she said that any relief she thought, like, any sort of feeling of, of comfort from being with Clinton immediately went away when she caught the gaze of this other guy. Like, any relief she felt... She says, like, instantly just turned to sheer terror. Because he was immediately creepy. Yes. She said she looked in his eyes, and she said, all I saw was, quote, dead, cold, evil. So she, like, says this is the moment that it dawned on her that she was not going to be making it back home that night. Because these people were your friends instantly. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, so she... she He held a knife to your throat. I know. Yeah, he was like, because he, before he picked up this guy, he's like, oh, I just, like, I need to use your car for, like, an hour. I just got to drive around and do some stuff. And so she's thinking, okay, like, he's just taking me along for the ride, you know? (laughs) The math ain't fucking math. Yeah, the math ain't mathin', but trauma and shock does wild things to your brain. (laughs) 
Um, so this is when, after Clinton picks up this other man, he starts to drive them out of, like, the main area of Port Elizabeth. So um, there's, it's like a beach town. So there was a lot of, like, back roads leading to, like, small, I guess, like, coves and area of beach. So he takes them out of the town of Port Charlotte and he starts to take them down one of these, like, dark, secluded back roads and onto like, a beach alcove. So a small little section of sand. The road is right next to it. It's like, very, very small. I need small. to see what this place looks like. Um, yeah, Google it. I'll, I'll tell you the rest. Um, so said, it's called what? It's called Port Elizabeth and it's in, um, um, South Africa. South Africa. Yeah. So he pulls, Clinton pulls the car over. Oh, it's pretty. Um, and he immediately turn. Oh, that is, see, yeah, that is really pretty. It's like, you see, it's like a beautiful little, like just beach town. Like right. Oh, we're really at the South. Right Africa. on the Cape. Yeah. So, um, they're on this little section of this like. kind of looks like Miami. It's beautiful. I would love to, like, vacation there. Not after this story. <laughs> <laughs> as long as we don't get in the car with any strange men. Um, so, yeah, he pulls the car over. He shuts the car off. Um, and he turns to Allison and he just asks her, are you going to fight? And she knows immediately he is asking her. He's saying to her in not so many words, I'm going to rape you. Are you going to fight me? I would be like. And she she says no, because she's thinking, again, she's thinking in her head, what can I do to make this, to give myself the best chance that I'm going to get out of this? Right. She was, she's thinking, I would prefer to be raped and survive than fight and be raped and be murdered. My because sarcastic I fought. ass would be like, what answer do you want? Yeah, and that's going to get you fucking murdered. <laughs> so, no, I just look at that and be like, you might as well just murk me now, because like. <laughs> you might as well just take me out because I'm gonna fucking fight. <laughs> I'm gonna fight harder than anyone has ever fought you before, you nasty ass motherfucker. I'd be like, if you think I'm not going to, you got me fucked up. <laughs> yeah, so I mean her her brain in this moment, she's telling herself, you know, maybe if I don't fight, maybe if I just let them take what they want from me, like I can at least be alive. Exactly. I can at least be alive and survive this. Like, yeah, I'm going to be traumatized because they raped me, but at least I'm not going to be dead. Yes. So she says, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to fight you. Um, and then after this, Clinton proceeds to basically like strip her pants off. Um, Ooh, he, chills. he first performs oral sex on her. Um, and he's saying the whole time he's saying shit to her like, oh, does your boyfriend do this to you? Do you like it? Like, he's just being really gross and nasty the entire time what that he's doing this to her. What also blows my mind about, like, shit like this and, like, rapes and stuff like that. Bro, if you can't get any, just say that. Somebody out there will give you some. <laughs> Why don't you pay for it? Sex workers exist. <laughs> Literally. There's pocket pussies. There's blow-up dolls. There's multiple other means to an end. Yeah. The only thing, this. like, that I have to say about that, I guess, is, and I'm sure you know this, but 99% of the time, rape is not about sex. It's about power. Yeah. So, this man, in some form of his like, life, probably feels inconsequential. But even, like, with sex workers, 
right? You're paying for it. And you, since you're paying for it, you can be like, listen, I want to be the dominant one. And more than likely, they're going to be like, "Mm, all right. Yeah. But maybe it makes them feel even more inadequate if they've got to pay somebody to have sex with them. So incompetent men. So this entire time, he's he's forcing oral sex on her. He's being real gross about it, saying all this nasty shit to her. Um, After he does that to her, he then forces her to perform oral sex on him. Um, after which, um, he does proceed to rape Allison. Um, while he's raping her, the other man calls out to him and actually calls him Franz. So his name is not Clinton. His name is Franz. (laughs) Um, so Franz then asks this other man if he wants to also have sex with Allison. And the other man's reply was, quote, no, I want to fuck the bitch. So, um, Franz actually gets kind of upset that the other man, I know, crusty, dusty, nasty ass, fucking go jump in a sewer, get cholera and shit yourself to death, bitch. Are these two men alive still? Uh, I think so. Um, I think (laughs) they are. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure they're still alive. Um, they should be dead. So, Franz kind of gets, like, upset, Allison says, like, at how vulgar the other man was being, even though he was just saying some nasty, vulgar shit to her, too. And he just raped this girl. And he literally just raped her. Um, and he tells the other man, he's like, don't speak to her that way. She's a lady. Like, some bullshit fucking gentleman yeah. politeness. Like, the math really ain't fucking math It's in not. It's like, not. Like, like if you're going to be an asshole, commit. Exactly. Like, the fucking disconnect that he's like, oh, don't speak to her like that. She's a lady when you just raped her. If you're going to be an asshole, make sure you fully commit to that I shit. I know. Fucking see it through, you pussy-ass bitch. Literally. Um, so this other man whose name was, oh gosh, I'm going to pronounce it so bad. I think it's Taeun, which is T-H-E-U-N-S. Taeun. Thuns. <laughs> I'm going to call him Thuns because he doesn't, pro- he does not deserve to have his name. Fuck you, Thuns. Fuck you, Thuns. So from this point forward, this bitch is Thuns and Thuns. We kind of sound slow. <laughs> what the fuck? I think it's Tan, like Thuns. Mm-hmm. It's French, I believe. Thuns. Thuns. Um, Sounds so, like some fucking barbar- barbaric bullshit. Like, I know. I mean... No spoiler alert, but it would make real lots of fucking sense for this man to be barbaric as shit. Mm. Um, so Franz gets off off Allison. Taeyeon's takes his place. He then begins to rape Allison, and while he is raping her, he begins to strangle her, um, and he strangles her to the point of her blacking out. So great. Um, they actually like we find out a little bit later that. This was him trying to kill her. He was trying to strangle her to death. While um, raping her. While raping her. But that doesn't work. So they... She said, not today, bitch. They begin to try other means. Ugh. So after she blacks out, Allison does come to. When she comes back to consciousness, she's, she's out of the car. They dragged her out of the car. She's completely... Oh, they raped her in the car? Yeah, they raped her in her car. Um, the disrespect. I know, right? I'm going to have to sell that car. Jesus Christ. Bad memories. Oh, um, so <laughs> she... Oh, shit. <laughs> you can't ever drive that car again. Um, yeah, so she she comes to... She's completely naked, and she's now lying in the sand on this little beach alcove that they took her to. And when she wakes up, she is already being repeatedly stabbed. Oh. 
over and over and over again. Um, she was stabbed upwards of 37 times. Just, um, it was in her, like, ab- abdominal and, like... Like, to be stabbed that many times and to stab somebody that so many, that many times is personal. Like It is. It's, thinking, like, rage. It is like, rage. Like, you're thinking of something that pissed you off probably years ago, and you're taking out on this person that you have no idea who they are. Yeah, literally, they have no... She's never crossed these men's paths before in her life, and they uh, have the ability to do this to her. Did this to you? I don't know. I feel like a lot of, like... Anybody who does this, like, these men especially, they just have, it's no specific person. Mm-hmm. It's just, like, pent-up rage mm-hmm. and just hatred towards women in general. Mm-hmm. So, they're stabbing her repeatedly in her, like, abdominal area and, like, her pubic area. These um, fucking therapy. And it was later discovered, like, um, Franz specifically, he was actually the one who does, like, the majority of the stabbing. Um, he is specifically being such a gentleman. I know, right? Like, what the fuck, dude? Don't um, talk to her like that. Don't Let talk to her like that. Let me crotch. stab the fuck out of her. Um, he was actually purposely stabbing her, like, in that lower stomach, like, pubic area because he was trying to mutilate her reproductive organs. That was his purpose of stabbing her so in that area. So, sounds like Franz has mommy issues. Yeah, he, he's, he hates women. <laughs> he has rage just against women. Mm-hmm. Um... So after so whoever Franz's mom is, I hope you're happy for being a shit mom. Oh my god, I hope she would be dead before she found out her son did this shit. Cause fuck that noise, literally. Um. So after they stab her, seeing as they've stabbed her thirty-seven upwards of forty times, mm-hmm. they they think she's dead. So they begin to you know turn heel and walk away from her. Um. But then her leg twitches. <sighs> And they realize, oh, she's not dead. But also, like, even after you die, your body twitches. Like, mm-hmm. you still move even after you die. Yeah, yeah, but they, they probably don't realize that. No, so her leg twitches, idiots. and they're thinking, oh, fuck, she's, she's alive. still alive. So they... But, like, also, I don't under... Like, for good measure, you just stabbed her a shit ton of times. Yeah, but they wanted to... They probably were thinking, like, we have to make sure that she's, she's dead, dead before we leave. We can't leave it up to any sort of chance. Mm-hmm. So they come back, and what happens is Tians takes the note on the nose, <laughs> the knife. He takes her nose. <laughs> where that takes came it, from. cuts it off. <laughs> he takes the knife that they had been using to stab her, and he slashes her throat. Um, Franz is not happy enough with this. He pushes Tians out of the way, and he proceeds to slash Allison's throat a total of 17 more times. Essentially just sawing back. Pretty much. Just trying to fucking saw her head off. Um, she recalls what she was experiencing while this happened. She says, quote, All I could see was an arm moving above my face, left and right and left and right. His movements were making a sound, a wet sound. It was the sound of my flesh being slashed open. He was cutting my throat with the knife again and again and again. Um, after it's amazing, like when stuff like this happens, what your body does to stop you from feeling it. Mm-hmm. They're yeah, like, you're no, like, this is way too traumatic. We're not feeling right. it. Right? It's like the adrenaline. It's the shock. Mm-hmm. Like it's your brain registering. Like it was like when we talked about with Mary. Like mm-hmm. she didn't feel her, her arm, arm until she looked, looked at, at it, it and, was, and like, was like, "Holy shit. fuck, my arm is gone." Mm-hmm. so like she just the whole time she's like whoa why am i falling like mm-hmm. and then she looks at her arm which is like, holy fuck my arm is gone and then mm-hmm. all the pain hits her yeah so she like obviously as i just read like she didn't feel the pain but 
And there's probably, there's obviously probably so much going on in her body already because she was just stabbed 37 times. times. And raped. Yeah. And so strangled. There's already pain all over her body from just everything that she's already gone through. So she's not even registering the pain of them going after her, her throat. throat. Um, she says after they were done slashing her throat, um, she doesn't know who said what, but she said one of them said, do you think she's dead? And the other one replied, no one can survive that. Psych bitch. Psych she bitch. did. <laughs> Fuckers. So they are satisfied now that she's dead. Um, they again leave her where she's laying in the sand. They get in her car. They actually take her clothing out and they throw it at her. Um, they get back in the car. Injury. And right. Like how fucking like. Literally, you just brutalize this poor woman. And alas, fuck you, you're going to throw her clothes at her. Mm-hmm. Which will come, like, thankfully, they mm-hmm. did. Because mm-hmm. it ends up helping her in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, they, they throw her clothes out of the car. They throw them at her. And they take her car and they drive away. Um, she says, like, in this moment, um, as she's laying in the sand, she's not feeling any pain at all. Like, she can't feel her body. The only thing... She's registering is the sound of her breath wheezing in and out of her severed windpipe. So, um, she said as she's laying there, like, she doesn't feel pain. She can hear her wheezing breath, and she's just overcome with this overwhelming feeling of sadness. Because mm-hmm. she realizes that she she's injured beyond hope. She's dying. And mm-hmm. it's a miracle that she's even still alive to be registering these feelings in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, she says after this as well, like when she had that thought, like I'm going to die, she experienced like an out of body experience. Mm-hmm. Um, she said like all the noise stopped. She couldn't hear her breathing. She couldn't hear the water. She couldn't hear anything around her. Um, and all of a sudden she was floating and she was looking down like at her own bloody mangled body basically mm-hmm. um she could like feel that she was it was like almost like she was being given a choice mm-hmm. she says like i can i can go mm-hmm. or i can choose to stay mm-hmm. in my body and and fight to stay alive so mm-hmm. she said um like she actively chose to go back mm-hmm. and she was thinking the entire time the reason she chose to go back like, remember, her parents separated when she was when she, her, she was 10, right. and she was raised by her mother. So her and her mother are extremely, extremely close. Mm-hmm. Like, they're kind of like me and Die Die. Like, they mm-hmm. tell each other everything. Like, they constantly see each other. And she said she chose to go back into her body and continue to fight because she couldn't die and do that to her mother. Mm-hmm. So she she makes that choice. And then she says, like, she kind of snaps back to reality. The sounds come back. The pain comes back. Everything. Like, she is back in her body at this point. Um, And all she's thinking in her head, like, this is another theme to, like, Mary Vincent's story, is I, even if I die, Mm -hmm. I have to make sure that they cannot do this to anybody else. Mm -hmm. Um, So what she does is she, like, takes her finger and she writes Franz. Mm -hmm. She writes tans in the sand and then under that she writes i love you mom because she's thinking if i die if they find my body here here, these are the names of who did this to me Mm -hmm. just hoping that would be enough for the police to find these two men and Mm -hmm. arrest them for what they did to her 
Um, so after she writes that in the sand, she she starts to make this, and she's like, I have to, I gotta get up. Mm-hmm. I have to at least try to, like, maybe I can get to the road. Mm-hmm. Maybe I can, like, flag somebody down, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, she starts to kind of, like, she tries basically to, like, flip over onto her stomach, mm-hmm. and so she can crawl. Her intention is to try to just basically army crawl her way to the road to try to get help. She says as she starts to roll over, she feels something, like, kind of, like, slimy and wet on, like, her legs mm-hmm. in a way that's not the wetness of... Just, like, regular blood. Blood. Mm-hmm. You want know, to guess what it was? Probably, like, her fucking small intestine. Or yeah, it was. It was her intestine. She'd been, like, partially disemboweled from oh. how they had stabbed her. So she actually ends up... Because, remember, her clothes are near her. Mm-hmm. She grabs her shirt, mm-hmm. and she balls it up, and she presses it to her stomach to pretty much keep her organs inside of herself. Mm-hmm. So she's clutching the shirt to Bad her. Bitchery. Literally. Like, I probably would be in a state of fucking panic if I'm like, holy so shit, like, my insides are on my outside. Mm. But no, she said, I'm going to just press this shirt against mm. this. And so she's holding her shirt against her abdomen with one arm. And she's using her other one again to try to, like, crawl forward and, and reach the road. I'm... Mm. Um, as she's crawling, she's actively feeling herself growing weaker and weaker and weaker. And the entire time, again, all she's thinking about is her mom. Mm-hmm. She's thinking about, like, if she died, like, her mom is going to see, like, the trail of her dragging herself in the sand. Like trying, yeah. That she tried to get away. And her mom's going to be left, like, with this trauma and all these mm-hmm. unanswered questions and she's just thinking, she's like, I can't do that to my mom. Mm-hmm. And so she's got this mantra going on in her head over and over and over again. Like, I have to keep fighting. I can't leave my mom. I have to keep fighting. And so she, she's thinking to herself, she's like, crawling isn't working. Mm-hmm. I need to move faster. I need to get up. Get up. Mm-hmm. So she was able to slowly kind of like make her way up onto her knees and then make her way up onto her feet. Mm-hmm. And the second she stands up, she said everything went black. Because she was like, uh, <laughs> Yeah. So what had happened, like, mind you, she's still using one of her hands to clutch the shirt to her abdomen. Um, she reaches up with her other hand and she, like, kind of feels around her throat. And she said, like, the entirety of her hand went into the wound at her neck. That just, like, shows you how massive it was. So mm-hmm. she's like holy fuck, my hand is in this wound in my Mm. neck. Um, And what had happened was Franz had cut her throat so savagely that it had severed the muscles on both sides of her neck that he used to hold your head up. Mm -hmm. Um, When she stood up, her head had basically just flopped backwards, and the back of her head was, like, set between her shoulder blades. Uh. So it's like... It's like almost if you have, like, a puppet, Mm -hmm. and you, like, flop its head back. Yeah. Yeah. That's what mm-hmm. her head did when she stood up. So she takes her free hand. She grabs herself by the head and she holds her, like she grabs her head. She <laughs> fucking she pulls her head back up. And she is now like, she kind of like gets her head righted on um, and she can, she can see again, like her vision's coming mm-hmm. back. It's spotty, but it's coming back. Mm-hmm. So she um, is looking around to try and figure out where she is, see where she needs to go. Um, one hand clutching the shirt to her stomach, the other one actively holding her head up and in mm. place. Mm. Um, she starts to, you know, take some tentative steps forward, and she kind of describes feeling like another kind of miracle happened. Like, 
she doesn't remember walking to the road, mm. but it's like she blinked mm. and she was there. Mm. And it was almost like something had like picked her up and just moved and her. Moved her. Mm. And so she gets to the road and all the strength just like leaves her body and she collapses into the road. Um, when she falls down, she's thinking, well, at least one of two things are going to happen. Um, I'm either going to be found or I'm going to die. Um, she thought at least she was in the road. It was probably going to be exactly. She is in a place where she's going to have the best chance of somebody spotting her. Mm. Um, so the first car, she, she kind of hears a car approach, right? And she's, She's thinking in her head, her first thought is, oh, my God, what if it's them? What if it's them? What if they came back? Mm-hmm. Um, fortunately, it was not them. They <laughs> did not, never return to the scene of the crime. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, this car did not stop, though. It kind of slowed How down. It was like the same. It was like Mary Vincent. Uh, Again, the first car slowed down. This is the 90s. We're <laughs> supposed to be progressing. <laughs> I mean, I... I I guess I can understand how somebody would be absolutely terrified to see, like, a dead body in the road and not know, like, if the person who did that and was still around, like, thinking, like, like, if I was by myself, right, and I'm, I'm just driving down the road and I see, like, a body on the side of the road, well, I couldn't guarantee I would absolutely call somebody, mm-hmm. but I can't guarantee that I would stop. Because I'm like, A, what if it's a hoax? Yeah. B, what if the person who did this to them is still around and they fucking get me? And absolutely, I'll call 911 and I would tell them exactly what I had seen, but mm-hmm. I can't guarantee that I would pull my ass over and let that person <laughs> into my car. Mm-hmm. Um, so that first car, they slow down, they realize, holy fuck, that's body in the road, and they speed off. Mm-hmm. Um, shortly after this first car, another car does come down the road, and thankfully, this car stops. Mm-hmm. Um, inside the car was a then 20-year-old veterinary technology student named Tian A. Laird. It's always the young ones. Yeah, I we know. We have more it's of a always, heart. Yeah, even in Mary Vincent's story, too, it was a young honeymooning couple that stopped for her as well. The old people are like, fuck no. Yeah, right? They're like, mind my business, 3,000. Old people are good for nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's uh, 20-year-old Tian A. Laird and a few of his friends. They were actually um, vacationing in um, Port Elizabeth. They were originally from Johannesburg, South Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was able to use his veterinary training to, um... At least stop the bleeding. Help her. Not stop the bleeding. There's no way to stop the bleeding. Mm-hmm. But her, her uh, thyroid gland mm-hmm. was, like, exposed and hanging out. So he was able to, like, tuck it mm-hmm. back inside, basically. At least um, help her to the best yeah, of his ability. Yeah, he, and he was, like, sitting on the road with her, and he had her head in his lap, like, uh, kind of keeping mm-hmm. her head elevated mm-hmm. and... Like doing the best he could to mm-hmm. hold while they the get somebody wound. there. Exactly, hold the wound on her neck. Um, thankfully, one of the friends that he was in the car with, they had a cell phone. Mm-hmm. So um, they call emergency services on the cell phone, and um, I think they said. I watched a documentary, and this is how I got this information. They said that the hospital's in like twelve miles away, so they should have been able to get to them in like ten minutes. Um, they're sitting, holding Allison on the side of the road, like, 10 minutes pass. Okay. 15, 20. They're not coming. 30 minutes pass. 40 minutes pass. Mm. It's not till 45 minutes after they called that the ambulance gets there. Some fucking McBullshit. Yeah. They 
this wasn't proven, but they theorized that from how they described Allison's injuries, that, that they thought that she was just going to die anyway, so they weren't in a rush to get to her. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, 45 minutes after they called the emergency services, the emergency services show up. They um, obviously load Allison into the ambulance. They rush her to the hospital, and she goes straight into emergency surgery. Of course. Um, One of the doctors who was there in the emergency room that day she came in, um, his name was Alexander Angelov, and he said that in his 16 years of practicing medicine, he had never seen injuries as severe as Allison's. Um, So... You're yelling. Stop yelling, buddy. <laughs> Ralph is back if you can't hear him. Oh, I Demanding know. Demanding attention. I know, buddy. I know. <laughs> he said, I'm going to put him on my lap. Oh, oh I'm so sorry. Oh, God. Go here, buddy. He said, what was that? I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Okay. So, anyways, now that I have a cat on my lap. um, So, talking about this, it feels like, you know, this ordeal would have been, like, hours. It, it all in all, from the time... That she was abducted. abducted to the time where she's found on the side of the road by Tiane Laird. 19 minutes. What? 19 minutes. Oh, my God. Yeah. I would have at least thought an hour. Nope. Yeah. They picked her up in the car. They fucking immediately drove her. So she must have been relatively close to where Yeah, they- she was still, because, like, we saw the picture of the house. It was, like, a beach town so there was these little like hamlets little alcoves all around Mm -hmm. so they just basically drove her to the nearest one where they could find some sort of seclusion to do this to her so yeah only 19 minutes from the point that franz got into her car to her being found by um tiani laird and you know picked up and notwithstanding the 40 fucking minutes it took ems Uh. to get there (laughs) um so Thankfully, so time um, was really just in her favor. It was, yeah. Like I think that definitely attributes because she didn't have all the time, like to bleed out and all. Like, yeah, she's bleeding very severely, um, but she's was rescued soon enough. Like that, they they were able to rush her into surgery, and she Mm -hmm. still had she had significant blood loss, obviously, Mm -hmm. but not so much that you know she wasn't gonna be. Right. Say it was just like a miracle, even that she was alive after. It was right. a miracle that they didn't cut her, like her artery. jugular. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, though, like she, she was very clearly on even on the brink of death. Like it's a miracle mm. that she survived. But she remembered everything. Um, she was able to um, actually. They end up like identifying them. I don't know how they even got their pictures in the like police like lineup. I couldn't mm-hmm. find any information on that. But she does end up picking their photos out of like a like a photo mm-hmm. lineup. Um, so they were after she identifies them, they were arrested within a couple days after her her uh, identification of them. And they're like, oh shit, she arrived. Yeah, I know. And in the media, they called them the Ripper Rapists. Ugh. Um, and it was one of the like most televised most like news covered trials in like South African history. Like South Africans everywhere were watching this it. trial. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um so their full names were Fran Dutois and Tans Kruger. They actually ended up pleading guilty mm-hmm. to eight different charges. 
some of which included kidnapping, rape, attempted murder. and attempted murder. <laughs> um, though they were both found guilty and they were sentenced to life in prison in August of 1995. So they did get an appropriate sentence for what Good. they did. Can't say the same about fucking Larry Singleton from eight, last out in eight fucking years. What I the know, hell? that's absolute bullshit. So thankfully they were sentenced to life in prison. No chance of parole. They're going to... Actually, no, I lied. They do have a chance of parole. I'll get to into that later. Um... But yeah, they're at least sentenced to life in prison, got an appropriate further fucking bullshit attempted murder charge. I hate the attempted murder charge. Bro, you literally cut, like her head was dangling. Yes, yes. I don't want to keep saying it, but like. Like, I feel like you should get a murder charge for Yes, your intention was to murder that, like their intention was to murder her. They said, they thought like, before they left, they're like, oh, do you think she's alive? No, she's not going to survive that, like. Your intention was to murder her. There's no way she's going to survive. Exactly. Like, you thought you had murdered her. Like, why the fuck are you getting... Her insides were on her outside. Yes, literally, in multiple different ways. (laughs) Like, fuck. (sighs) Yeah. So, um, after the trial, um, obviously, Allison has severe, severe trauma from all of this. Um, Understandably so. Um, And she... In the documentary, she she talked about how she realized, like, in order to get over the trauma of, like, what had happened to her, she needed to just face it head on. Mm. So what she starts to do, she decides that she's going to take her story and she's going to turn it into a way to help other victims of this sort of violent crime. So she becomes a motivational speaker and she has traveled, you know, in the time from when this happened to her to modern day to over 35 different countries where she just speaks openly about her story and tells her story to, you know, whoever wants to... I'm surprised that wasn't one of the fucking speakers that we had. We have every kind of fucking speaker up and down the fucking realm of everything. (laughs) What, in, like, high school? Like, middle school. Oh, yeah. I mean, I feel like this one might have been a little too traumatizing (laughs) to give us... I'm surprised they didn't. Do you remember the cyberbullying one that they made us watch in the gym? Uh, and it was like anorexia and all that stuff. Oh, why do I feel like I don't remember any of these? Oh my god! If if nobody knew about it, they definitely knew about it after that. <laughs> Maybe I blocked it out of my memory. Maybe it was traumatic, and I just <laughs> I've blocked it. You out. know what makes me really laugh is all of the dare. That we had to do, and all of those people definitely do drugs now. <laughs> Just say, you know, the one thing I very vividly remember was from, like, freshman year um, health class. And do you remember, like, the like the sex ed guy they used to have come in, but he was not... Okay, so he was, like, this little... Yeah, this little... Just for everybody listening to describe this man to you. He was, like, this small like, older kind of man with graying hair and he wore these, like, big glasses. Like, straight out the And 70s. he had, like, a lisp or, like, some <laughs> sort of, like, speech impediment. Uh, so lisp. anytime he tried to say sexually active, it came out sexually. as sexually active. Like, sexy active. And we're like, what the fuck are you saying? Um, <laughs> the one oh, thing I, like, vividly remember is, you know, we grew up in a small rural town, so the extent of our sex ed was like how to put a condom on like a fucking banana and just don't have sex literally <laughs> so he They're came like, in to sex. he came in to kind of do you know like the christian oriented like don't have sex till you're married sort of deal and we're what, all like fuck y'all i know and like the exercise he did was he oh, took a piece shit. of he took a piece of um like ma- not masking tape like packing tape like the clear packing tape 
And the first piece, he just rips it off and he folds it together and he does it like that and he sets it to the side. The next thing he does is he pulls off another one and he has like somebody from the class that come up and volunteer and he like wraps it around their arm a couple times and then pulls it off and then wraps it around their arm and pulls it off and wraps it around their arm and pulls it off. And then he puts it together and then he gives both pieces of tape to the class volunteer and he tells them to try to pull like the clean one apart. And obviously you're not going to pull it apart. It's going to fucking stick to itself. Mm-hmm. It's got full adhesive. And then he's like, oh, okay, now try to pull apart this one that we wrapped around your arm four different times. And obviously it's got no adhesive anymore. It comes because apart it's easily. got all of your arm hair on it. Um, and so the example that he used was like the fresh tape sticking together was your relationship with your future spouse. If you're a virgin when you get married, uh, it's going to be strong. Nothing's going to pull you apart. And then the used up piece of tape was how having sex with multiple partners before marriage is going to have a negative effect on your future spouse. And it's going to, if you have sex before marriage, your relationship's not going to be as strong. And, and then um, all of us went on to have the, sex uh, before marriage. The guy who's like the kid who volunteered, he was like kind of one of like, you know, like the, I guess like delinquent kids who literally didn't give a fuck. So he literally stands up and he goes, that's bullshit. Is like, that? Uh, uh, uh yeah. Sense, yeah. So um, and it was just so funny because the guy clearly wasn't expecting anybody to protest against oh, yeah. it, and he was just like, "That's literally bullshit. Like that. That's not true at all. No. It does not matter how many people you have sex with prior to being married, unless you meet some fucking super religious Christian person. Yeah, and but I promise you, they're since- fucking sex. You know, I bet though they're in there. Oh my god, have you? We're getting so far out of this tangent, but I have to like. Um, now we're talking about, like, super, like, repressed religious people. Um, I was somehow, I got into, like, ex-Mormon TikTok. Oh, so, my God. <laughs> Mormons. She's an ex-Mormon. She had left the church, um, and she went to BYU, which is, like, the Mormon um, university in Utah. And she said that what, like, a lot of, like, Mormon, like, teenagers and, like, young adults will do, they call it soaking. Which means they just, like, lay, like, spooned up in bed, and the dude, like, puts his dick inside the woman, and but just they just lay out? there. What the fuck? And they're saying because they're not moving, they're not actively having sex. And so they'll just fucking, he just puts his dick in, and they just lay there. What the fuck? And they consider that that's not premarital sex, because they're not moving. <laughs> what the fuck? You... Christians are fucking freaky, repressed people. Also, Mormons are a whole different fucking breed. I know, too. So if anybody's a Mormon listening to this, y'all are different. Y'all are fucking weird. Okay, oh my god. Anyways. <laughs> so, um, Allison, she she goes around, again, to multiple different countries. She tells her stories. Um, at the time, um, like, rape and sexual assault was not something that was openly talked about in South Africa, like, at Mm -hmm. And she was one of the first women to speak openly and publicly about rape and about what had happened to her. And she inspired a lot of other survivors to start coming forward and telling their own story. So created this like tidal wave of all of these survivors of rape, um, you know, domestic violence, all like the things that were usually just like kind of hush hush swept under the rug. They're now all coming out of the woodwork and they're saying like, this is a problem and we are tired of it being swept under the rug. So um, she was actually awarded um, a few really prestigious awards in 1995. She was awarded the um, 
prestigious Rotarian Paul Harris Award for Courage Beyond the Norm in Femina Magazine's uh, Woman of Courage Award. She was also honored as Port Elizabeth Citizen of the Year in 1995. Good. Um, she has also written a book about her experience. Um, the book is called I Have Life. And she starred in the docudrama that I watched, <laughs> um, aptly titled Allison. Um, so we're going to kind of get back to what happens with um, Franz and Tans and their sentence. So in South Africa, um, before the laws changed, any prisoners that were sentenced to a life sentence before October of 2004, um, they would be eligible for parole. Um, you said in 2004? Yeah, so any, and like, no, it just means, like, if they were sentenced before 2004, they can oh. they can appeal for parole when it comes up to be time for them to appeal, like, Jeez, to go for parole. I was going to say, after 10 years? No, yeah, so um, they were, um, so the woman who helped make that uh, docudrama, Allison, her name was Uga Carlini, so one of the reasons that she wanted to make this docudrama is so, like, people did not forget about what... Franz and Tans had done to Allison because it was so brutal, like it was so horrific. So she, she actually like heard Allison speak somewhere in 1999, and that's when she was like, "I need to do what I can do as like a filmmaker mm. to make sure that these men are never going to get out of prison." So that's what inspired her to work with Allison to make that docudrama. Um, and she says, "Quote: I needed to make it clear that they were a threat to society and should never be released." Um, there's also, um, Judge Chris Jansen, who was in the film, like, he kind of has the same comments, because he was the one who sentenced them during their trial. Mm. He's like, I was gonna do, like, everything in my power to make sure they knew, like, they should not be getting out. They are dangerous. Like, Allison was the first victim that they had done this to, but there was, like, no doubt in this judge's mind that if they got out, they would do it again. again. Or finish Um, the job. Right, yeah, like, come back fuck? and freaking finish the job, because she's a public figure, too. She, mm-hmm. There's no hiding, um, and I'm pretty sure she still lives in Port Elizabeth. Um, so, when he was in prison, Franz Dutois actually ended up contacting Allison. He oh. wrote her a letter, and he asked... I'd be like, the nerve. Not only asked her for forgiveness, uh, no. but he asked her to share her book profits with him. No. Because... <laughs> In his mind... His name was used. His name was used, and she wouldn't have had a story to tell if he hadn't done that to her, so he was entitled to some of her profits. No. And Allison was like, fuck no, fuck you. <laughs> it was just like, you're not getting shit from me, you piece of trash. Um, so both Dutois and Kruger have tried multiple times to receive parole, Mm. Um, the last time, I don't know how many times Kruger tried after he got denied, but Franz Dutois is still trying to get out. The last time he... Because um, in his mind, he's a gentleman, remember? Right, I know, right. He's like, oh, I didn't do anything to her. No, you just slashed her throat 17 fucking times. And fucking cut out her organs. Literally. Purposely tried to mutilate her reproductive organs, you sick fuck. Um, so the last time he went out for parole was 2015. He was denied. Good. Um, and both Dutois and Kruger today still remain in prison. Good. Um, we love that. So finishing off on where Allison is today. So she ended up getting married to a man named Tiani Botha, which is where the last name Botha comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, and though Franz Dutois specifically tried to destroy Allison's reproductive organs, he was not successful. Yeah, bitch. That's what um, you did. He actually missed 
He just wasn't stabbing the right spot. Are you? Because he's fucking stupid. After how many times you stabbed her? Yeah. He just missed. There was not even, like, injuries on her reproductive organs. He just straight up fucking missed. Um, Bruh, are you stupid? He's <laughs> fucking dumb. Like, what a this jackass. So This um, is why. Yeah. He this did not why. succeed. He did not succeed. Um, and in 2003, Allison welcomed her first son, and then she welcomed her second son in 2006. What's crazy is that this happened in the 90s, and, like, her kids are younger than us. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, 03 and 06. Um, she says that she, her sons don't really know about mm-hmm. her story at this point, um, though she said, like, she's more than willing to tell them about it. because well, 2003. She 20, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. 19? 19. Gonna yeah. be 20? Yeah. Um, she says, like, she's more than happy to tell them the story, but she doesn't want to just, like... Is she still a speaker about it? I think so. Yeah, but she's... What she's writing is, like, she wants... If they want to know, she will tell them. But, like, also, they're adults. They didn't go on Google? I mean, maybe they just don't want to know. If something that horrific happened to somebody I love, I don't really want to look into it. But, like, I feel like people are just naturally curious, Yeah, but, I mean, she's also said, like, if they ask her about it, she'll tell them. Right. She's just waiting for them. Because that's a lot of, also a lot of trauma to put on some, like, because when something traumatic happens to somebody Did you say love, they're both boys? Yeah, she has two sons. How ironic. I know, right? Um, but yeah, she's, well, she's said. She can teach them to be not like that. I know, I know, seriously. But yeah, she's, she's basically said, like, um, you know, if, they, they know something happened to her, obviously, right. they're not completely in the dark. She, she's um, probably got nasty scars. Yeah, she actually doesn't. What? Like this, I'll show you a picture of her. The scarring on her neck, like they, the doctors did such a, like they did scar like, revision. Uh, so okay. it's, she, you can see she's got something there, mm-hmm. but for the extent of the damage that was done to her, her scarring is very, very minimal today. Hmm. Um, so she said, you know, about telling her son, she said, quote, my oldest son was about five when he asked about the scar on my neck. I just said, mommy was hurt. And sometimes when you get hurt, you get a scar afterwards. And that was enough. They guide themselves in what they're able to digest. As they've gotten older and can comprehend more, they have wanted to know more. Oh. So she's she's doing so age-appropriate like, explanations yeah, And they kind of, like, I'm sure the oldest one probably knows the whole story. Yeah, and he probably, you know, like, that's his mother. Like, he doesn't want to. Because, mm. like, when I was going to say, like, when traumatic things happen to somebody that you love, like, you feel impacted by that right. trauma. Like you can almost feel it. Exactly. Like, that's his mother. He... Mm-hmm. Of course, clearly probably knows she's a public figure. Mm-hmm. She's known around their little town. Like, clearly he understands what happened to her. But, you know, he probably doesn't want to know all the gritty, gnarly details. Mm-hmm. Right. Because, like, he's like, that's my fucking mother. Right. I don't want to hear about this absolutely horrific thing that happened to her. So they know, obviously, that something happened to her. And, like I said, she's kept it, like, pretty age-appropriate. She'll give them the information they ask for. But she leaves, like, the ball in their court. Mm-hmm. If they want to know more, they can come to her and they can mm-hmm. ask for more. Um, so she does continue her work as a motivational speaker and a victim's rights advocate. And I'm going to leave us off on one final quote from her. She says, remind yourself that you do not have to take responsibility for what others do. Life is not a collection of what happens to you, but of how you've responded to what has happened to you. And so that is the story of Alison Botha and the horrific, terrible Friends and tons. <laughs> the the uh, nickname Ripper Rapist. So uh, fuck them. Yeah, fuck them. They suck. I hope they rot in prison forever. Literally. And keep trying for that parole, buddy. Cause you're I not know gonna they're not it. gonna get it. <laughs> they're not gonna get it. Cause like every time they come up, like there's whole swarms of people that are like writing in and and basically 
telling the parole board, like, do not let these people out. Mm -hmm. Like, they have learned nothing. Clearly, fucking Franz is like, give me money from your book. If I didn't do this to you, you wouldn't have this store to tell anyway, so I deserve some of your money. Like, dude, shut the fuck up. Like, Like, what the fuck? People are so fucked. I'm glad she survived because she's a bad bitch. She is. And I'm glad she's living her best life. I'm glad she's taking her experience and she's helping other survivors speak about mm-hmm. their experiences. And keeping these stupid fucks in prison. Yeah, literally. Keeping these stupid fucks in prison. I find it, like, really crazy, though, because, like, we're, like, because Tans was the one that she picked up second. Yeah. And that was the one that she said when she caught his eyes, like, he looked evil. Yeah. But it was Franz who and did usually like the majority goes, of the violence though. to her. That's usually how it goes, though, because they are they are the inside of them is so like terrible and evil. They have to put on this really big facade mm-hmm. where you would never guess. Just yeah. like how Mary was like, "Oh, this is this old right, dad. Yeah. Who, it, oh, he's got a daughter who's mm-hmm. my age. Like, like he looks like a just, grandpa. Like you feel comfortable around these people until a certain point, and you're like, oh, fuck. Right? Yeah." And it's just, like, it blows my mind that he was like, oh, don't, don't talk to her that way. She's a lady. And, and you're a piece of shit. And you're a piece of shit. Fuck you. <laughs> I hope somebody catches you in prison and slits your throat 18 times. Honestly, I hope somebody just cuts your dick off. <laughs> Please. Please. And just lets you bleed. Get fucked. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> that's a good way to end this. I know. That's a pretty good way to end this. Um... As always, I'll do my usual end of the podcast pitches. If you've made it this far, thank you so much for listening. If you want to give us a follow on Instagram, we are at TSRH Podcast. If you want to send us an email, we are at TSRHpodcast at gmail.com. Um, if you follow the Instagram, I post coming soon posts and additional pictures related to the case. So that's pretty interesting. You should give a follow. So that way you can visualize. Yeah, that way you can visualize. You can see these people. You can get an idea um, and also picture Emily reenacting. Yeah. <laughs> one day, one day we should just like make like a little like TikTok video of me like actually explaining <laughs> this. Um, but anyways, um, thank you so much for listening and we will see you in the next one. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>